what we're going to do continue on with a little bit of a kind of overview of ministry and second Corinthians and uh, so I do have a handout today um, Jim I might have you grab those uh, binders up above there Larry, would you would you make sure everybody gets one of these? Yeah. So Jim's got a binder. If you don't have a binder yet, I th- we gave out binders last week, and uh, so. Uh, but Larry, those are all the same. I'm flipping them so the pages. Oh. Oh. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't think I gave you one yet, did I, Angie? No. All right, well, I heard this a good... Uh, kind of an interesting uh, take on Christmas. Uh, th- this guy said... Uh, he said if things are going well in your life, uh, Christmas kind of enhances that feeling. And, uh, you know, you have joy, you're thankful. And uh, But he also said, you know, if, if you're discouraged and you're having a hard time of things that that also is kind of enhanced that uh, you're you're maybe more more discouraged during this time and I, I thought that was an interesting perspective so this this time of year maybe magnifies uh, those those feelings so <laughs> oh man we locked out Belinda <laughs> god forbid all right. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't get those uh, handed out before we started. Yeah, thank you. And she, I think we already did that. Oh, here's another one. All right, well, uh, our topic is... is uh, Ministry. Does anybody remember the example we uh, studied last week about about ministry? Uh, well, what was the story we studied? Yeah, it's on the on the cover of your. Uh, three-ring binder. We looked at uh, Christ's example of ministry. I thought that kind of uh, encapsulated because he he was telling you know the things that I'm doing for you. You know, uh, you need to do for others. And he says, "Happy are you if you do those things?" And so we want to be happy. So we're uh, looking at ministry. I'm going to introduce a couple new things to you this week. But uh, let, let's go down through our, our list a little bit. Uh, on the top of your page, 
I kind of give our thesis for our class. And Teresa, I'm glad you're here, sister. And so uh, uh, we're actually going to really get into 2 Corinthians next uh, year, January 7th. But uh, we're going to kind of follow this format. And the thesis is that we should quit living unto ourselves and start living for Christ. I gave you that verse on the top. These are kind of the key verses of 2 Corinthians. It says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he that... And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So it's kind of the the gospel there that he died for us and rose again. And he gave us new life. And so hopefully everyone in here is saved and we've experienced that. And now uh, we should not live to ourselves, but we should live for Him. Amen? And so we can uh, all agree on these things. And uh, I gave you... Uh, we're going to talk more as we get into the book, but uh, Corinth, we said, was the fourth largest city in the world at that time. And uh, today I give you just kind of a definition of what the word Corinth means. And uh, this is kind of a misnomer, and somebody can look this up if they want to. if, If you look at... Uh, just the definition of the word corn that means satiated it means like they're trying to satisfy the flesh is what I think it means because uh, they're a pretty carnal church pretty carnal city we're going to see they had uh, you know several temples to pagan gods and um, it's pretty near to Athens Greece but uh, some other uh, definitions of the word Corinth was uh, ornament or ornate, decorative, adorned, or showy. But uh, this word satiated or satiated is what, uh, and and it's kind of weird. Uh, I think if you look up the word atonement, like the Day of Atonement, the, the Feast of Atonement. Uh, uh, and the, and the word propitiation it means that uh, it satisfies God. So anyway, Christ's atonement is what satisfies, and the Corinthians were looking for that to be satisfied in other ways. And uh, we we've all tried that, and it doesn't work, does it? So is that Franny's? The Franny's card. I think they're having kind of a birth. Her birthday is like Monday, is that right? Yeah, so they were trying to get her a card. She's still in the hospital. Um, anyway, I gave you just some uh, statistics about the book of Second Corinthians. It's got 13 chapters, 257 verses, 6,046 words. And it was written by Paul and Timothy. And that's what chapter 1-1 says. And it was around 60 A.D. And so, if Christ Himself died around 30 A.D. or 32 A.D., this was, uh, you know, 
28 or 30 years after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And it was about 10 years before the destruction of the temple uh, by Titus of Rome. So anyway, it gives you a little bit of an idea of when it was written. Well, maybe. Uh, well, it was written sixty. I don't know when Paul was born, but uh, he, yeah, he was probably aged like me. Thanks, Belinda. <laughs> yeah, I do. I need to. fishing buddies. I think I'm going to come back to that. Uh, Letter B there about the the letters to the Corinthians, and uh, I want to give just kind of this book overview. Uh, the first and and I've seen two or three different people broke down the book in three parts this way, and I just called it the the first seven chapters of persevering in ministry. And then they, uh, the middle two books, chapters 8 and 9, were about participation in ministry. That, that talked about them uh, giving to some others in need. And then the person of the minister. So your second blank was just the word minister. Does anybody remember the uh, example we gave of... Uh, besides Christ washing the feet, uh, what, what was the example Paul gave uh, of ministry? Do you, I'm probably not saying that right. Remember we talked about uh, parenting. Remember that? Uh, he, he gave the example that children shouldn't have to lay up for their parents. The parents are to lay up for their children and uh, and we just talked about how uh, you know having children is a little bit of a thankless job it's kind of a one way thing that uh, you know we we help we raise or train our children without expectation of them giving back yeah Kevin he actually uh, discipled it he uh, took the men in and they worked alongside him as what was Yep. Yeah. Yep. He called Timothy his son in the faith, and and he, I think it's in First Corinthians where he says, you know, you have maybe ten thousand instructors, but you don't have many fathers, and so he he was like a parent to them, and uh, so that yeah, I'm sure that'll come up again. Now let's uh, this chapter break down. Uh, the first chapter we have some consolation in ministry, and they they receive consolation through suffering. There's some obedience in ministry, and that's through forgiveness. We're going to see how the church at uh, Corinth didn't allow the devil to get the advantage. And, you know, that's what happens when we don't forgive people is the devil gets the advantage. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but if you withhold forgiveness from someone, the devil, it leaves room for the devil. Uh, One of my favorite verses in Hebrews about failing the grace of God, the root of bitterness will grow. Yeah. Giving grace you were given. Yeah. Trusting God to take care of the issue. Yep. Yep, so that's a that's a big thing and and so they they do forgive the man uh and specifically in this example 
a man in their congregation was having uh, sexual relations with his stepmother uh, in First Corinthians and and in the church, and they were kind of boasting about how much grace they were shown by allowing that to happen. And he said, "No, that person should be removed from your midst." And uh, and it says uh, giving over. Uh, was it his flesh to the devil or something like that? And uh, but it, it, it sounds like in Second Corinthians he he gets that right, and now he says you should forgive that person. You you cast him out, and he was sorry for a season, and now we should forgive that person. And so anyway, that's when the grace should be shown uh, when there's some contrition and uh, sorrow over sin. And uh, number the chapter three there. There's a declaration of ministry, and that's when he says that the people are his. They're living epistles. So the people <clears throat> that he ministered to uh, are living epistles. And then in chapter four, uh, we give a definition of truth. And let, let's go to Second Corinthians four, and we'll see this definition of ministry. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to adapt to new new glasses. Is everybody? Oh, yeah. I got uh, well. I should wear them all the time, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dale said it makes me look smarter. <laughs> so. It looks like, it makes it look like Drew Carey. Really, Drew Carey? Drew Carey. Yeah, not not Jim Carey. Drew Carey. Okay. Ohio. <laughs> All right. Look at Second uh, Corinthians, chapter four, and uh, Teresa, would you mind reading verse one and two for us? Second Corinthians four, verse one and two. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But having renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Yeah. It's a little... uh, Paul is... Uh, really a deep thinker and he, he writes very powerfully but he, he in verse 1 he talks about that we've received this ministry and then in verse 2 that Teresa read at the end uh, they're manifesting the, the truth uh, commending ourselves to every man's conscience so uh, I put uh, just the word truth in your blank because they're manifesting truth. Uh, they've received this ministry and they're not handling the Word of God deceitfully, but they're giving that truth and manifesting it to uh, others, to their conscience. So, And then in chapter 5, I want you to see this. Uh, Emmett, Mr. Birthday Boy, <laughs> young man, Second uh, Corinthians, would you read uh, chapter five, and uh, no, but just read verse fourteen, I guess. Uh, 
I think chapter 6 is the only time in the New Testament it talks about daughters of God. I think there's maybe once in the Old Testament, maybe twice. Uh, chapter 7, there's a zeal in ministry. We're going to talk about godly repentance. Fellowship in ministry is sacrificial giving. Um, contagious ministry through preparation. And it talks about some other churches are motivated by the Corinthians' desire to give. So it, it's kind of contagious. And, uh, you know... <coughs> I've known a few people that maybe got saved listening to Billy Graham. I know uh, one of my bosses got saved listening to Charles Stanley on the radio. He's going through a divorce. He's listening to Charles Stanley. He goes out behind his house and sits on a rock and he prays to be saved. (laughs) It's really cool. But, you know, most people are led to Christ by a one-on-one per most of us have come to church here maybe by invitation somebody invited you you just i mean we do have people come here find us on the internet and but the most common way is still the the one on one and and i think the same is true in ministry so you might minister to others uh i mean i know i've learned things from Brian Hedges it it's been contagious like i do things because he's taught me to do things yeah, I mean, yeah may, may, so it's almost discipling so people can, ministry can be contagious and we even said that uh the household of Stephanus addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints so they they become addicted to it's like uh like Paul was they they learned it from him <clears throat> Uh, number chapter 10 there's a measurement of ministry edification and we're going to talk about edification in just a minute uh, excelling in ministry through suffering a fear of a minister there were some beloved backsliders that were doubting Paul's apostleship and then perfection in the ministry through unity And so hopefully uh, you find unity here at this church hopefully you find unity here in this class and um, I, th- I think in, in our Life Issues group, uh, we talked about relationships uh, a couple weeks ago when uh, Brother Chris taught us. And uh, when you think about the church, uh, it's called a body, isn't it? The church is the body of Christ. And it says, uh, one of our memory verses, I think it's... I think uh, lesson eight of discipleship is the church, and one of the memory verses is, uh, "Now ye are the church, and members in particular." So, if you think of yourself as a member, and we we still uh, have membership here at this church, uh, when you think of your members, you think of maybe your hands, your arms, your feet. You think of members of your body, and even. He talks about, you know, the tongue, the eye. These are all members, but uh, most of the members are connected by joints. And, uh, you know, that's where most people have trouble in your body. And my body is your joint, isn't it? And so your joints are kind of symbolic of uh, relationships. So, you know, my forearm has a relationship with my bicep through my elbow right so the the elbow might not be a member i don't know 
but you have things there that connect the members. And so, uh, so that's why we need to, uh, you know, exercise and build up those relationships, have strong joints so that the members are nourished and cared for and, uh, and, and in the right place and just do all things decently and in order. <clears throat> And I don't know if that makes sense, but anyway, then you have unity in the body, right? And uh, that's why I was telling in the men's group just how that, you know, when my, and my shoulder still does hurt, you know, I injured it in June, so it's a full six months, seven months later. But, uh, you know, it was just frustrating when my body wouldn't do what I needed it to. I, I was pushing things with one arm and I'm trying to hand stuff and help and I, you know, it's hard to even wash under your arm or lift your arm and, and I think sometimes Christ gets frustrated with His body because we're not, we're not working right. We're, we're injured. We're not fully functional. <laughs> Arthritis. Uh, anyway, so do you, you know though when Christ returns, it's we're going to come in the stature of one man. We're all going to believe the same. We're going to think that we're going to. There will be unity, and so uh, so today we we study, we learn, we uh, try to feed and support one another, and and uh, serve Him. So on your on your back page of your handout. This is Brother uh, Jim's. Uh, I just copied and pasted this this little table. This is kind of a comparison of First and Second Corinthians, and and I'm, I'm probably gonna cut and paste some more of your stuff. Jim Jim did a good job with his overview of the Bible, but on the First Corinthians side, uh, it was written to spiritual babies to restore them. It was kind of a letter of rebuke. There was insight into the character of the new believer. And it was direct instructions from Paul. I thought those were all good thoughts. And then the second Corinthians is written to a committed Christian who wants to restore others. It was a letter of praise and restoration. There was insight into the character and ministry of Paul. And it was a heartfelt testimony of Paul. So uh, w- when you read the book of Psalms, you often think of it's almost like David's prayer journal. And I look at Second Corinthians a little bit like that to Paul. It's kind of his personal thoughts and feelings about the church. And then I gave you a teaching point there that... I told this to a guy over the weekend. He really liked it. It says, don't be in the ministry for the income. Be in it for the outcome. And if you think about that, you know, Paul has said that, he says that the church in Corinth, that's his crown of rejoicing, right? Hey, Lee. Kelly. And uh, so when you, when you think about it, um you know, those of us that have children, in a way, your children kind of validate you. They, they are representatives of you. And that's who the church at Corinth was. Hey, Larry, you might grab a couple of handouts for those folks. That's all right. Hey, Kevin, get, get him a notebook, too. Yeah, so we're on the back page of your handout. 
And uh, what do you what do you think when you read that? Uh, don't be in ministry for the income; be in it for the outcome. What do you think about that? I've lost control. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you think? Hey, Becky. Come on in, girl. The outcome. Yeah, what, what do you think of uh, being it for the outcome, not the income? So how many people can learn of Christ? Okay. Yeah, so you're laying up treasures. Yeah, they, you've heard the saying, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. <laughs> so that's what you're doing. You're laying up treasure in heaven. and Yeah. But think about this. Uh, uh, so, so you know Alan Shelby. You'll you'll get tickled about. I should have waited till Jim was back. So Sherry, you're gonna have to remember to tell this to Jim. Oh, okay. So Alan Shelby once said, he said, old old preachers never die. They just disseminate themselves into the lives of their disciples. <laughs> old preachers never die. They just they invest in these other believers, and so they don't really die. And so that's how how that's how it was. You know, uh, <clears throat> let, let me give you an example of discipleship. Look at Second uh, Timothy. Think think about this with me. Second Timothy, chapter two. You'll like this. Yeah, Second Timothy two two, and I bet some of you could quote this. Uh, Pam, we're up to you. Would you read Second Timothy two two? In the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. All right. So, who's talking there, Pam? Do you think he's tell he's talking to somebody? This writer is. Things that you've heard of me. Who's the me? Paul. Paul. I agree. And who's he talking to? Timothy. No. Who do you say, Pam? Timothy. He's talking to Timothy. This is the book of Timothy. So he, Paul's saying, Timothy. Man, these glasses are going to make me fall over. <laughs> so, so Paul says, Hey, Timothy, the things that you've heard among me, the same things you heard of me, commit thou to who? To faithful men. Uh, he, he might have... And and then and then what are those good, those it's the the faithful people they're going to do what they're going to teach others also do you see this is discipleship right here Paul's saying that Paul said Timothy the things you heard among me among many you know this wasn't a secret thing I've told a lot of people but I want you to take what you heard about me and invest in faithful men because those faithful people are going to teach others all don't just cast your pearl before swine they're going to trample it under feet but give it to faithful people and they're going to teach others also and here it is don't miss this 
There's been some faithful people do that all the way down till today. Right here, right now. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You know, there, there's you know almost two thousand years right here, but the things that we're reading and studying uh, is what happened in that first century of you know. You could put uh, Christ right here because he. Paul had a revelation from Christ, and he, he he taught this, and so we're going to be studying the book of Second Corinthians uh, uh, for uh, Lee and uh, Becky. Uh, the next two Sunday mornings, we're not having this nine o'clock study time, so it's going to be January seventh. We're going to really start studying the book of Second Corinthians. So what what we're getting today is just kind of an introduction to what we're going to be going through next uh, in the next year and uh, sometimes we'll we might cover a whole chapter but we'll probably take two weeks per chapter and there's 13 chapters so four to six months is about what we're looking at of this uh, study one thing I want to do I don't know if we'll do it but you know next year is election year next November-ish and uh uh, some of you have heard of wall builders, uh, David Barton, but he's got a, I think it's a 13 video series, uh, it's pretty cheap. I, I'm gonna, we're gonna go through probably a 13 week, it's called like American Heritage Series. And so I wanna do that like from June or July on to November and just study about our nation's founding. Just help us think about our country a little bit is what I'd like to do before the election so first half of the year we'll be looking at second corinthians and then uh you know two or three months on uh america and kind of our founding i think the videos are only 30 or 40 minutes so we'll maybe talk for 30 minutes and then have a 30 minute video for uh, several weeks so that'll cover most of next year now so on the back back of page of your handout uh do you see where roman numeral 2 says introduction to corinthians or second corinthians <clears throat> and i gave you some key words uh the word minister no <clears throat> well let me, let me read you what I, I put and then hopefully it'll make sense I think some form of ministry is in the Bible 30 times and 8 of those times are in 2 Corinthians more than any other book but some form of the word minister is in the Bible 174 times and 8 of those times are in 2 Corinthians so we'll talk about maybe the difference between ministry and the minister a little bit yeah yes good job and this this number two some form of the word edify is found in the Bible twenty times, and eight of those times is in First Corinthians more than any other book, and three times in Second Corinthians. And I, I wanted to focus on this for just a minute. What do you think that word means? Some form of the word edify. To, to build up. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Secure foundation. Yes. And. Yes. That's a good example right there. Let's see if I can find this. 
Yeah, so I'm reading in Ezra right now. I thought this was kind of cool. So in, in Ezra chapter 4, I don't know if you guys can see this, but they were getting some opposition. They're building, they're trying to rebuild the tent. They're coming back from Babylonian captivity. And he says, Be it known unto thee, unto the king, that the Jews which come up from thee to us are come unto Jerusalem. It says, Building the rebellious and the bad city, and have set up the walls thereof, and joined the foundations. And you know, I was just thinking, this is what I read this morning, so if this is the foundation class and you know the bible says that no other foundation can you have except Jesus Christ so Jesus Christ is the foundation and we're we're here kind of joining foundations aren't we and that's what the jews are accused of those guys they went back to the they're building the temple again they're joining so the foundations were kind of broken down and the city was in rubble and that's what they were i just thought that was a cool little verse and so I, I think of that in this sense of edifying. I know you were going to say something, Kevin. Jesus is uh, you know, the foundation, uh, you know, the cornerstone or yes. the stumbling block. Yes, to some he's the stumbling block, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. for those that uh, reject the Lord, he becomes a stumbling block. Uh, anyway, so those are some key words. Other key words are abound or abundance. Uh, comfort, grace, and even boasting was in there. I thought that was kind of interesting. And then uh, words found in Second Corinthians, which illuminate ministry. And look at this list. Of, read, read this with me under number four there. Anguish, perplexity, hunger, beaten, stoned, pain, offended, poverty, tears, afflictions, infirmities, perils, reproaches, trembling, fears, necessities, faint, poor, sorry, grieved, cast down, despair, imprisonments, bondage, chastened, weariness, dying, mourning. Uh, Peter Ruckman looked up all those words. Those are words descriptive of Paul's ministry. You want to go do it, don't you? Perplexity is kind of like confused, maybe. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. You know, uh, let me see if I can find this real quick. There's a word that it doesn't mention that I want to see if I can find. Uh, Let's see, hold on. I don't know if you guys can see this or not. Uh, maybe not. Uh, okay. yeah. Kelly, you can be my sounding board. Can you see this at all? Enough to read it. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to leave you a blank for this. I kind of forgot. But another word you could use for ministry might be lonely. 
And uh, one way. Huh? He said one way. <laughs> yeah. And so Paul says here in Timothy. Uh, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. And this is the next verse. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And I think that's a reference to maybe King Nero. Uh, he was delivered. Uh, maybe it was Caesar. I kind of forget. But uh, I think it was, historically, I think Paul was maybe put to death by King Nero. But anyway, does that make sense? Uh, he, ministry can be kind of lonely because no man stood with him. But the Lord did. The Lord stood with him. And then uh, what I want to so this is this next little section is maybe some new thoughts for you a, a new way to think about this <clears throat> and I'll give you an example here in just a minute but uh, I give you what I'm calling MPs and ETs and this uh, the MPs are just ministry principles. Uh, and then the ETs are the enemy tactics. <clears throat> and we, we saw this a little bit with uh, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. When, when Christ washed the disciples' feet... Uh, it says that he loved them to the end. So, so that's the ministry principle from last week. Was we have to love the people we're trying to minister. You know, uh, even if you're upset with your kids, you're still going to try to help them. You love your kids, <clears throat> and so that's ministry is kind of like parenting. Uh, but do you know it, it says right there when he was washing his feet. I don't. I don't think any of those guys are Judas, but it says that the Lord had put into Judas's heart to betray the Lord. So, even while Jesus is loving on them, the enemy's at work. I guess is what we want to say. And so, as we go through the book of Second Corinthians, we're going to look for some ministry principles and hopefully see the enemy's tactics, so that uh, you, you know when Christ was baptized. Uh, right after that, he went and spent 40 days in the wilderness. It's, it says he was tempted of the devil. So, you know, when he was baptized, that was a big deal because he was manifest to Israel. I am the Son of God. Uh, and the Spirit confirmed that by lighting upon him like a dove. But right after that, the enemy tempts. So the ministry principle is he's manifesting himself to the people. And uh, the enemies at work there getting ready to to tempt him. So so that's that's kind of one new thing I want to introduce uh, with each chapter of of the book of uh, each chapter of the book of Second Corinthians. So now uh, turn with me, if you will. Shoot, I didn't put these on there. It's in First Peter. Look at First Peter with me. Hopefully, this will make sense. 
think it's chapter 4. 1 Peter 4. Um, yeah, let's do this one first. So, yeah, 410. Uh, Belinda, I'll let you read 410. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, who who in here knows what a manifold is? That's on the motor. I knew Belinda would know. What do you say, Kevin? It's on the motor. Yeah. We think of it. And what are you thinking, Jim? Well, it's, uh, it goes from multi to one. Yeah. So yeah, it's one to many or many to one. So, uh, so this manifold grace of God. Did everybody see that? It's God has manifold grace. Who is the source of that grace? God. So that's the one. So I'm going to put God down here. I don't know if you can see it. And we're going to look at three ways that His grace is manifested. Uh, so now look with me that on your handout, the Romans 5. And uh, Kelly, I'll probably let you read that if you're... Let's go to Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. Well, just hold your taters. <laughs> uh, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Yeah. So this is kind of a cool thing if you, if you get it. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God for our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. How does that how does that say that we have access to grace? Through Christ. What did it say though? By faith. By faith. Is that what you read, Kelly? By him also we have access by faith into this grace. Guess what, guys, girls? If you're going to have God's grace in your life, you're going to need some faith. And uh, where does faith come from? from hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So, we're going to look at two other ways to get... All of us needs grace, don't we? Uh, so I'll put that down here. God's grace. So, so you do need to believe. Uh, we're right here in First Peter. Go, go to chapter five. And Lee, do you want to read or do you want to pass? All right, read chapter five, First Peter five, verse five and six. Yeah, I'm not there either. First Peter five. Uh, no, five and six. It's likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Ye all of you be subject one to another, and be 
clothed with humility, for God resisted the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, unto mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Good job. So right at the end of verse 5 there, who is God going to give grace to? The humble. What's what's uh, what's the opposite of humble? Proud. Yeah, it, it says right there, God's going to resist the proud. So we see two ways right here. If if you want grace in your life, you're going to have to believe, and you're going to have to have some humility, right? That that's Bible. That's what we just read. This other is a little bit harder to see, but look at Galatians. Just going back again, the, yeah. the faith on Second Corinthians five seven. Yeah. For we walk by faith, not by sign. Yes. So it would be like the first thing. You brought up that before. That's a favorite verse of yours, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Jaime's saying we walk by faith, not by sight. That's good. So things are not quite as they appear, is they? You can't trust everything we see. Yeah, that's good, Jaime. Good, good comment, brother. Uh, so what's the Galatians two twenty one? This is a little bit. Uh, Kevin, we're up to you, brother. Galatians 2.21 See if we can formulate this one I thought I was two pages off (laughs) (laughs) 221. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to go get 76. <laughs> I got faith in you, Kevin. Yeah. 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 Oh, you got the English and Spanish? Oh, the law against the promise of God. God forbid, for if it had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But by the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> it starts Read again. 
Kelly. Is that in two verse 21? I heard that. I did not frustrate. I did not frustrate. There we go. Or if righteousness come by the law, Christ is dead in vain. All right. I should have read it. What was that word? So, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so, uh, so Paul is telling the church at Galatia that uh, I I don't want to frustrate the grace of God. He says, and this is giving us all time to to see this. If grace cometh uh, by the law, then Christ died in vain, didn't he? Uh, what does that mean? Is if you could work, if you if you were good enough, and you obeyed all the law, you'd be good enough to go to heaven. He he's saying, no, that's not how you get great. That frustrates God's grace. The point of the law was to show you that you're not good enough. You can't work hard enough. You can't obey all these rules and go to heaven. You need God's grace, and uh, so so the the way we uh, would say that, and this is harder than you think. But one of the ways we get grace is by receiving it. We don't have to work for it. That that's kind of weird to say. Um, I mean, that is what grace is: is of no merit, right? Uh, it's unmerited favor. That's good news, though, isn't it? Because uh, we, we all need grace, and we're, we're none of us good enough to earn or deserve grace. So those are the three ways in the Bible to get God's grace. But now look at... Steve, uh, I was thinking, yeah. some church, I don't know which church, but some of them, they do work themselves to death. Yeah. They work and work and work and hope. That they can get to heaven, and that's terrible. It is because you you never believe in that. Yeah, I thought that too. Yeah. That that is a struggle, because just human nature, we think, well, if I'm a good person, but no. Uh, okay, First Peter one. Let, let's get there. Uh, Jim or Becky, uh, I'm gonna have you read this. If you can get to First Peter chapter one, we're gonna see the other manifold here. Peter 1. Uh, 1-6. Okay, 1-6. Yeah. Oh, she's got it. She's got it. What is it? 1-6. Yeah. I didn't write these on there. Sorry about that. 1-6. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I still kind of wish that, uh, like, even like when he does his sermons, that he would have all the verses already listed out on the yeah. on the paper. Yeah, they're not all on there. Yeah. What do you got, Becky? And all this you greatly rejoice, though now, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. So that says all kind of trials. What does the the King James would say? 
through manifold so temptations. Get rid of Joyce through now for a season, if need be. There are in heaviness throughout manifold temptations. Yeah, so I want you to see that uh, the word manifold is the word I was looking for. So, so God has manifold grace. But the devil has manifold temptations. So he, he's the source of the... We're going to look at these temptations now. And uh, so let's look at these three temptations here. And, and I call this a ministry matrix, but uh, look at First John 2. First John 2. And this, this one verse lists all of them, so this won't be quite as hard. Uh, Sherry, do you want to do that, or Jim, the first John? And you, you might, you might even know this one from heart. <laughs> you have to tell her a, a, a two, two sixteen. This will make sense. 
to the intent that now unto the princip- principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church thy manifold wisdom of God. Yeah, so here, here's this... Uh, it talks, yeah. It talks about this manifold again, this manifold wisdom of God. So, if and Kevin, you uh, helped us here. Uh, this wisdom in ministry, you know, and we, we. I was at a men's breakfast yesterday, and and uh, you know, the person beside me is, uh, is new here, and he's like, "What does this mean?" And I was able to give him a Bible, a Bible answer. I connected his his question with truth and that that's when wisdom happened does that make sense yep. and just like you just did kevin uh we've seen that uh, god resists the proud he gives grace to the humble that that's wisdom it's like you know sir ma'am you know the bible says only by pride cometh contention if you've got contention in your life there's pride involved. That, that's wisdom. That's what God says. And so th- this is what we're after, isn't it? There, uh, wisdom is greater than rubies, and all the things you desire can't be compared to that. We need that uh, when we do when we do ministry, and uh, that that is the connecting point. Does that make sense? And uh, I know we're out of time. Uh, let's see the teaching point I gave you here. Uh, Paul was teaching doctrine through the crucible of experience. And how poor, mean, selfish, and lazy most of us feel by contrast. So I, I read that somewhere and I thought that was a good little statement. But anyway, we'll hold up here. But those are... Uh, any other thoughts? Were you going to say something, Kelly? Okay. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, Leah, Becky, thank you for joining us. And Teresa, you're in here for... You haven't been here for a little bit, so... Anyway, uh, I'm going to pray. Is there any other prayer requests? We, we will lift up Pat. Is there anybody just say, hey, I need prayer? We do have some. I was just getting permission to say. Okay. Um, so Leah's going to go into a 30-day uh, oh. patient.